Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. In Montreal, Canada, which is a dear place um, for me. Uh, I started my digital endeavors here, and I will explain later. And second is uh, my guest today is uh, David Guari, who um, we recently met in person at the Cyprus FinTech Summit. And we had a blast in terms of the content that we shared. David is an amazing um, I would say fintech performer. I I have to confess that at some point I was a bit jealous because all my life I've wanted to be a fintech stand-up comedian, which goes a bit beyond, you know, saying jokes. And I must say that the panel, David, that you were on at the summit you had really an amazing stand-up comedian type of performance. So let me, first of all, welcome you. Thank you. It's great to be on Conversations and Insights. By the way, I like this, Conversations and Insights. This is exactly what we need. Yeah. And and for our audience, I mean, uh, David wears a lot of hats. We know each other from the early days of fintech when um, the series of crowdsourced fintech books was first launched. We both participated in the first fintech uh, book by, by Wiley. And then we, we also participated in the wealth tech book. Uh, David has participated in many more, I think five total, right, David? Uh, four in this amazing crowdsource series and one more actually in cooperation with Patrick, your prior uh, subject of uh, interview in the series. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and, and, what you have been doing and contributing in the fintech and financial services ecosystem is you have been training bankers. Now that is a mission. You have to be passionate to undertake that mission. It is not an easy one. It is of course, it's got this duality of, okay, you need to keep up with all the fintech trends, but you also have to deal with all the business culture and the business as usual issues of incumbents that have to uh, you know, change, have to transform, have their own ways, their own resistances, and um, you know, they're buying uh, has been notoriously slow and, and resisting. So I applaud you for that. And I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to talk about that where you've worked. When I think of you, I think of David looking to the East. We are both basically in Europe, right? And you've been working 
but you go far to the east. I know you're involved in different associations and initiatives from Seoul to Singapore and, and, and so on. So this is very exciting. And, and I will dive into one of the things that has um, impressed me and resonating um, is, is your way of thinking of fintech as a galaxy. And, and, and it's a wonderful visual because in a galaxy, there are all sorts of planets. There's, there's lots of space. There's lots of stars, planets, movements. There's death and birth. There's explosions and, and so on. And, and hopefully we will go on a space journey uh, together today. So tell us first a bit about this galaxy vision and how many dimensions are you seeing in that? Right. So thank you, Effie. And it's great to be on Conversations and Insights. I am excited uh, talking to you anyway. Uh, I have listened to some of the prior conversations uh, and the quality, the intellectual nature is very impressive. So it's a great honor uh, to be here. Uh, in my galaxy of fintech, in my galaxy of financial technology, we have seven solar systems. In each solar system, we have planets. There is one star and there are planets revolving around this star. In our galaxy of financial technology, currently we have 40 planets in seven solar systems and around each planet we have moons. These moons are the sub-areas of fintech. Now, listing 40 different, distinct, exciting, dynamic, exponential, uh, emerging areas of financial technology currently going on, currently unfolding, currently uh, manifesting around us is very easy. And when I look at my list of 40 areas of financial technology, in each of these areas, I see 10, 20 sub areas. Now, when you start to multiply that, that is like 800 or 1,000 emerging developments, emerging technologies, emerging business models, emerging risk-reward distributions going on currently globally around us. This is why this is a beautiful yet challenging time to manage a bank, to manage a challenger bank, to manage a neobank nowadays anywhere around the world. Uh, so this galaxy of fintech, the number one thing to spot is that it's 
highly complex. There mm. are many, many, many areas emerging at the same time. This is why sometimes we talk about the fintech revolution, because this is a very dynamic, often exponential uh, process, hard to intellectually capture and extremely hard to strategize and to tactically and operatively implement, deliver in a highly compliant, complex environment such as banking. So we have a tension, a difficulty here. How do you keep your hands on this very complex, very dynamic universe, this very complex, very colorful, very dynamic galaxy, while you are managing a slow-moving, highly compliant, risk-averse by nature, leveraged, responsible retail bank. And, and, and the interconnectivity between all these um, uh, uh, solar systems and planets and so on is changing continuously because it is it is dynamic and it's it's extremely difficult to sort of keep up with all this and and follow and adjust your path as to to what needs uh, to be done so i mean we we could spend seven episodes one on each dimension yeah. right from and, and one on each solar system what i would invite you today is to let's pick one of those dimensions um and i'd love to to zoom into mobile wallets and and you know i depending on who i'm talking to i say there's you know the mobile wallets of of web 2 you know the apple wallets the google wallets and so on and then there's the web 3 wallets that really are very different and i'm not sure that a lot of people understand uh, the difference. And as I like to say, I don't think that we've really seen smart wallets in the true sense of um, really data flow that is frictionless mm -hmm. uh, between parties involved, whether it's the merchants, the customers, or whatever intermediaries and so on. So, so we're on a journey that is touching many, many points. Um, and I'd like to, to invite you to tell us, are mobile wallets one of the dimensions? Is it a solar system for you? Is it a planet? How do you think of it? And, and just share your thoughts. Okay, so in the galaxy of financial technology, we have seven solar systems. Number one is Paytech. This is where mobile wallets belong in my classification. And by the way, your recent prior conversation with Patrick about CBDCs, even CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, belong to the wider 
PayTech solar system. The second solar system is channel tech, voice banking, augmented reality, virtual reality belong here. The third one is data tech, big data, blockchain, artificial intelligence all belong here. Why? Because the input resource of artificial intelligence is not oil or gas. The input resource of artificial intelligence is data. The fourth solar system within the galaxy of financial technology is land tech, credit tech, from BNPL to peer-to-peer -peer lending, from crowdfunding to nano-finance. Many, many emerging areas belong here. The fifth solar system within the galaxy of fintech is wealth tech, mm. from robo-advisors to copy trading, such as eToro, from personal finance dashboards to the entire concept, ethos, and universe of API banking, application programming interfaces, from asset tokenization to digital currencies, and so on. The sixth solar system in the galaxy of fintech is regtech from cybersecurity to risk tech from biometrics to digital identity from supervisory technology to compliance technology from many many other areas and number seven the seventh solar system in the galaxy of fintech is all other areas for example, the entire area of InsureTech with thousands of startups globally, environmental, social and governance tech, quantum finance emerging in front of our eyes, core banking tech, neobanks, challenger banks, and so on. Now, these seven solar systems are interconnected in a premeditated and conscious and organized way. Let me tell you this way, and then I will move to mobile wallets specifically. So, PayTech, Channel Tech, Data Tech, Land Tech, Credit Tech, Wealth Tech, Reg Tech, and others. Let's look at it in an interconnected way. Payments modern payments, digital-only payments, will be the basis of the new value creation of credit institutions, licensed banks. These payments will go through new channels. The current incumbent number one channel in banking globally is the good old smartphone. iPhone 1, the first iPhone, has been introduced by Steve Jobs on the 27th of June um, uh, 2007. So now it's a 16 years old device and iPhone 15 is just coming out. Now, after this 
15-year cycle will come augmented reality and virtual reality. Recently at a large conference in Egypt where I was a keynote speaker, I had the chance to test MasterCard virtual reality payments. And I went to a three-dimensional VR store and I initiated and completed successfully a payment with MasterCard. Uh, well, there was no physical card involved, obviously, but these things are coming uh, to us. These payments will produce rich data. Can you remember? Data tech is the third solar system. This rich data will be the number one value driver in modern days upcoming banking paradigm. Why? Because based on this rich data, ISO 2022 and beyond, banks will be able to build in an individualized way assets and liabilities. What are assets on the balance sheet of traditional banks? Lending active products. That's why the fourth solar system is land tech, credit tech. Use the big data, use the smart data, use AI and build a very good asset side of your balance sheet. But we know from recent international developments that the liability side of your balance sheet matters equally. That's why the fifth solar, the fifth solar system in the galaxy of fintech is wealth tech. Build passive products, savings, liquidity, asset management, wealth management. And all of this, all five, must happen in a regulated, fully compliant way. That's why the sixth solar system is regtech. And then the seventh is the other areas. So this is the logic of interconnectedness in the modern days banking. I also like to call it banking 2050. By 2050, actually, this fundamental model will dominate the value creation of banking. Where is the value creation here? The good old net interest margin. The net interest margin between the asset side and the liability side of your balance sheet. That has been the primary name of the game in the past 5,000 years, and it will remain to be the primary profit driver in banking. However, reimagined in the galaxy of fintech. Now, let's go back to paytech, the first solar system. And within paytech, the area you have picked, mobile wallets. So shall I go ahead and share with I will you? interrupt you, David, here, because uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm fascinated 
about these dimensions, I must say that the number seven of the solar mm -hmm. systems doesn't seem to me co coincidental. It, it absolutely brought to my mind the seven chakras that mm -hmm. are interconnected. And the seventh one being the highest one, which has all these advanced, you know, quantum computing and everything, and everything has to become in alignment, to come in alignment, to create something valuable. Otherwise, it is not possible to, to do this. So, so it's, it's an analogy that came to my mind. And, and I invite us all, you know, you, me, and our listeners to sort of carry that and sleep on that and see where, where it takes. Because these analogies are the same. We are also in ourselves as individuals, a solar system, right? I mean, yeah. uh, and a very complex one uh, too. Each cell in, in ourselves is like that. So in, in that sense, we have to see that. And, and for me, all this invites us to what I believe is driving everything, which is openness. Openness mm. will allow us to create the right interconnectedness for each of these new business models, each of these values to appear. So that's what I wanted to share with you and, and let you take a deep dive into the mobile wallets. Right. I totally agree with you. For example, in this area number seven, others are digital-only banks, which is a very important reimagination and synthesis and licensed, uh, risk-managed reincarnation of bricks and mortar incumbent traditional banks. By the way, uh, I want to advise a bank from anywhere around the world which bank volunteers to become the number one bank, the best bank globally in augmented reality and virtual reality. The number one channel of the longer term future. So I am here, I am ready, and uh, this is a beautiful uh, potential journey across the galaxy of fintech. Going back to mobile wallets, so this is a beautiful area. Currently, almost 70% of adults globally, almost 70%, of the people currently living on earth uh, over the age of 18 use one or more mobile wallets. This is very, very important. However, regulatory, the European Union happens to be a leader EU regulations on different new categories of potential financial services providers are actually very exciting. And you know very well that many other jurisdictions are 
following EU regulatory developments and they are trying to learn from EU regulations and make them even better and reimagine them. Now, on the 28th of June this year, the European Commission put forward the first draft version of PSD3 which is also called PSR 1, Payment Services Regulation 1. But let's just call it PSD 3. And actually, this PSD 3 proposal is relatively significantly re-regulates the status of mobile wallets usually currently licensed as EMIs, e-money institutions. So results reached by mobile wallets so far, for example, never before seen level of quality, reliable, financial inclusion globally. This is a huge achievement and mobile wallets uh, have contributed to this uh, immensely. The global success of QR code based payments, uh, the global success of uh, moving from cash-based societies towards less cash and more and more often towards de facto cashless societies is also one of the achievements of mobile wallets besides more traditional uh, tools of payments such as uh, Tap and pay, pay pass, pay wave, NFC, RFID. I'm trying to use the different terminologies. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, basically contactless payments uh, conducted with plastic cards as well as with mobile wallets uh, have contributed very significantly to cashless societies. However, driven by the logic of PSD3 and driven by the deeper logic of uh, disruption as per described by Clayton Christensen, the ex-legendary uh, uh, professor of Harvard Business School. Uh, so both by business logic and by regulatory background, the next chapter will be uh, mobile wallets becoming licensed credit institutions digital-only banks. And this is a very, very, very serious and hard step to take, serious investment. And uh, actually, some mobile wallets will be able to take this step uh, successfully. 
some e-money institutions will be able to take this uh, step upwards successfully. Some will not be able to take this and slowly, slowly they will become less relevant. By the way, this step is controversial, uh, uh, but it is slowly, I am talking about a 10, 20 year time horizon, it will, it will become a must. Now, meanwhile, there will be something very beautiful, something historically relevant happening to mobile wallets. A new class, a new type of mobile wallets will slowly emerge. And that is the category of CBDC wallets, central bank digital currency wallets. Retail central bank digital currencies are most likely to materialize in dedicated CBDC wallets developed and run by retail banks or developed and run by central banks. Yep. And actually, citizens, entities will be able to store local currency liquidity in these CBDC wallets. Digital money stored in these CBDC wallets will be direct liability of central, central bank. bank. Yeah. There will be no intermediated risk between the user and the central bank, i.e. there will not be a deposit insured, but still somewhat risky intermediary of retail banks between the users and the central banks. And this will therefore be a new, historically new class of assets. Yeah. A direct liability of central banks in digital format. Currently, globally, we only have direct liabilities of central banks available to the general public in physical format. Coins and paper money. Good old paper money, first regularly printed by the Tang Dynasty in China in 745. Good old coins, first regularly consciously minted in Lydia uh, in uh, Western Anatolia, nowadays Turkey, about um, 5,000 years ago. Well, I have news. These 5,000 years, 1,300 years old uh, solutions are outdated, not conceptually. Bearer instruments, bearer instruments. Technologically, technologically, they are outdated. Now, here comes something very important. When we think about cashless societies, cash 
de facto going out of circulation. But central banks taking the privilege and the tool of monetary transmission of having an impact, decisive impact on narrow money, i.e. direct liability of central banks circulating in the economy, when these two things mutually happen, a new era of economics, a new era of monetary policy, a new era of central banking will come to us. Honestly, it will be like, uh, in terms of monetary policy, it will be like uh, the discovery of antibiotics was in terms of um, uh, medical science. Why? Because when we imagine a purely cashless society with central bank digital currency uh, up to a limited balance stored in the dedicated CBDC wallets of uh, citizens, so when we imagine this situation, actually the long awaited, historically awaited and historically missed symmetry of monetary policy, symmetry of interest rate policy will open up. Central banks in the past 200 years have had the monetary tool to raise interest rates no nominal, I'm talking about nominal yeah. interest rates. Every time I will say interest rates in this context, think about nominal interest rates as high as they want. However, uh, negative interest rates uh, uh, couldn't be used as a monetary tool. Why? Because when the nominal interest rate level becomes uh, too much negative, actors in the economy start to withdraw their money from the financial intermediary system and keep it in cash. You have to calculate the cost of cash logistics, the cost of keeping cash. I am not talking about $10,000 or $100,000. I am talking about the cost of keeping hundreds of millions of dollars in cash. And actually, globally, internationally, we can calculate those costs pretty well. And the cost level happens to be around 80 basis points per year. This is why the negative lower barrier of nominal interest rates has been uh, 0.75% approximately. Uh, you are currently living in Switzerland. Ask the Swiss National Bank how many times they tried to calculate how much negative you can go. However, when we have a truly cashless society, uh, then negative interest rates 
as a viable monetary tool symmetrically to positive interest rates open up. And that will bring a truly new era of economic, macroeconomic stability, a truly new era of counter-cyclical monetary policy. Because we will be able to stimulate through the nominal interest rate channel as a monetary tool equally as to restrict. And that is a very, very interesting. How will markets react? How will central bankers learn and practice this new channel? How fiscal policy will go along? So this is a very, very beautiful. And by the way, this negative interest rate channel opening up in a purely cashless society is the name of the game. This is why purely cashless societies will happen, will happen with the assistance of central banks and central banks actually will use this tool. It will be nothing less than antibiotics uh, in the history of uh, humanity. David, this, this is uh, um, uh, very uh, insightful and forward-looking. Obviously, this is not going to happen uh, overnight. It will, it will uh, take uh, time, whether it's one decade or two decades, 2050, and so on. On the journey towards that direction, and obviously each economy will, will, will be in a different um, trajectory, um, do you see this, the, the cap uh, in terms of the amount of money we can hold in our wallet directly with the central bank as continuously rising? And, and is that part do you think of it as part of the monetary policy um, of, of the central bank? It's a very, very interesting question. How the arbitrage between CBDC liquidity versus retail bank current account, savings account, deposit liquidity will be managed right. because there is a risk arbitrage, uh, simplifying it very much, uh, holding CBDCs by definition will have less risk than holding yep. retail bank liquidity. However, uh, first of all, uh, deposit insurance, and CBDC liquidity will have to be coordinated. Second of all, uh, CBDC um, 
liquidity will have to be uh, limited, just like the amount of cash, physical cash in an economy is limited. And sometimes merchants in real life turn to you and they say, well, well, now I don't have enough cash uh, in my uh, cash registry machine, uh, or I don't have enough coins, or I cannot uh, give you back the change if you use the highest denomination paper money, uh, uh, and so on. Anyway, uh, CBDC liquidity will probably be uh, limited uh, uh, per user, and also um, CBDC uh, foreign exchange transactions will be a very, very delicate uh, uh, the convertibility, so to speak, uh, of uh, retail CBDC will be a very delicate uh, topic. By the way, um, uh, the PDOC, the People's Bank of China, China. in yep. the past 10 years uh, has done very, 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 very high quality research and uh, piloting, or even more than piloting, piloting occasionally, yep. of uh, retail CBDCs. However, there was one caveat, in my humble opinion, in the way the People's Bank of China uh, has been looking at uh, CBDC. By the way, what triggered this high level of professional enthusiasm of the PBOC? Well, WeChat Pay, Alipay, the mobile wallets driving Chinese society uh, from a cash-based society, first paper money, Tang Dynasty, yeah. 745, Marco Polo going back to European, 1295 from China, showing the paper money and trying to convince uh, uh, 13th, late 13th century European leaders to adopt the paper money, which had been used in China for over 550 years at that point. Anyway, so... Uh, 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 the 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 prospect of truly cashless society triggered the People's Bank of China to go deep in their pro uh, in this topic. However, however, the PBOC tried to uh, create a dual circulation uh, CBDC local circulation and at the same time, international circulation. And that is a very, very complex task. Local circulation CBDC, but if it's only local circulation, then there is no de facto convertibility, keep it in mind. Yeah. So you lose 
the potential current level of convertibility of the direct liabilities of the central bank uh, in your uh, local currency denomination. It's not necessarily the greatest loss because you can still convert bank account money. However, it is a certain level of loss uh, uh, and creating cross-border international circulation CBDCs, that's the trillion dollar question. However, that's a global political question <laughs> because that touches the current global macroeconomic monetary financial status quo as it is. Yeah. So international circulation CBDC is a, is a very, 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 very serious question and uh, a very, very, very sensitive question. Local circulation CBDCs will have uh, uh, limits in terms of maximum liquidity uh, per wallet, but these limits will have to be carefully coordinated with other metrics in the economy. And by the way, one of the tools of controlling narrow money from a central bank perspective will be about moving these limits. By the way, uh, in, in the uh, recent episode with Patrick, you have also touched the privacy aspect, or let's be more honest, uh, the lack of privacy by design aspect of CBDCs. Obviously, one of the advantages from a citizen's point of view, of view in terms of cash, is the high level of potential privacy. Um, and this is de facto lost through central bank uh, digital currencies. However, um, central banks, governments, sovereigns, states can practice a certain level of constitutional self restriction in terms of uh, uh, looking at uh, exact uh, transactions. For example, they can say that these transactions are not visible to the state unless there is an ongoing valid criminal uh, investigation yeah, yeah, yeah. where an independent judge or a panel of independent judges proclaims that knowing these transactions is an important aspect uh, to the case. So there can be several levels of uh, self-restriction and uh, these different limits of liquidity in a CBDC wallet can also have different levels of privacy 
Okay. Yes. So you can have like a hundred. I'm making a tiered system. Yeah. Exactly. So you can have like hundred euros per month, or or five hundred euros of total maximum balance of full privacy. It can even be excluded from criminal cases. Then yeah. another five thousand euro of privacy but it can be opened up towards criminal cases. And then another 20,000 euro, which is always visible uh, to the state. Uh, um, anyway, it's a very, very long story. And actually we, central bankers, uh, advisors, thinkers, opinion leaders, retail bankers, investment bankers, legislators, uh, uh, politicians, decision makers, we are writing this history right now. Yes, yes. David, this is, this is actually fascinating. And I always like to say, you know, don't think that we can do nothing. We can, with our voices, each of us, uh, you know, uh, participate in, in all this by, by thinking, by discussing each on our own way, because it is being shaped up as, as we speak and um, it will take a, a, a long time. I, I want to thank you. This was a very fascinating uh, discussion. I look forward uh, to more. And obviously I will publish with um, uh, for our audience where they can find you on LinkedIn and follow your work. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much. It's a great honor uh, to be on uh, Conversations and Insights. And I am very thankful uh, to the viewers, listeners. And please uh, ask questions. Please write your comments because I will do my best to react to this. I will do my best to start an interactive back and forth of communications below this video in YouTube. And I think through this conversation, we can create additional value and also we can create topics for future upcoming episodes. So dear listeners, dear viewers, please ask the tough questions. Please criticize my thoughts because I am here to interact with you. Yes, and, and we are not here to be right and, and show off. We are here really to have this conversation, to share insights and our understandings and just bring diversity to, to this discussion. Thank you, David, again. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on 
Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish tech news. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish tech news dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish tech news.